train don't wait Cause it's always full Though this track is just one station The people push and pull They line the streets In chains they move Just like a chorus of dancers They're trying to dig this groove If I could have just one request It's for a little more room to move We're speaking with the same voice Brittany. Extina. Mariah. CITR, where you'll hear none of those divas. CITR 101.9 FM, where the only divas you're likely to hear are. Kathleen. Suck my left one! Diamanda. <laughs> Lydia. Would somebody please inform the U.S. government that my uterus is not open to public debate. CITR 101.9 FM, your true devastation.
and ooh, there we go levels there we go and good evening good afternoon this is stereoscopic readout on 101.9 fm citr in vancouver ubc campus radio your source for psychedelic music garage rock freak beat acid punk progressive rock and other socially and musically relevant artifacts from 1965 to today and uh well today's a today we've got a really good well we we've, we've got a special show for you here we got a guest in the studio and um well I'll let him introduce himself you are sir this is will and i was the vocalist for the painted chip the band that you just heard two tracks by Guilty as charged, Dave. Guilty as charged. And thank you very much for sharing your time with me. I appreciate oh, it. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's, uh, um, I can now confess, it's, it's been some protracted negotiations, hasn't it? It's it has been, but you've been very relaxed about it. And mm-hmm. I've had a lot of personal issues and things that were happening that didn't allow me to come in earlier. So I, I really appreciate how relaxed you were about it. Oh, uh, thanks. And I really appreciate, you know, it's just like getting back to me and that kind of thing and being cool about like the questions and that kind of thing but yeah definitely thank you very much for being here it's great so um now can i make it just a comment on those two songs you played certainly you can uh, first of all i just had a myspace site up about five months actually credit where credit is due is put up by greg big daddy johnson the singer for the fiends oh yes he put it up uh there has been a site for painted ship without the article mm-hmm. it was put up by um a woman out of Los Angeles. I do know who she is, and it's very flattering. She went to the effort to get some uh, interviews and put up four songs. But, of course, I had no access to the site, mm-hmm. and people were starting to email bands that they knew I knew and people I knew and saying, what's the matter with that Will? He's not answering our emails. He won't let us be friends, etc." So we put up this site in response to that. And a number of people have asked me about this first single. Yeah. Uh, actually, the story goes, I wanted Frustration to be the A-side. Yes. A member of the band, I won't say who it was, hated Frustration. Mm-hmm. And the other two members didn't like much either, neither does, did their manager of the time. They said it was too weird. Yeah. So they said, go with Lies, because it's the less weird of them. Yeah. So they did that. And uh, the song went up maybe into the mid-20s on the charts, and everybody was happy but this- me. Oh, this was in Vancouver? When uh, Canada. Oh, okay. And it was released in the States. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it charted in around the mid-20s in parts of the States. But I never wrote anything. Quite f- frankly, I didn't ki- give a rodent's behind about the charts. <laughs> yeah. So I still wasn't satisfied. So I'm going to give kudos to somebody that comes in here once in a while, John Tanner. Yes. The DJs of that day in the FM stations were cool guys, and they would go out of their way to help young bands when they could. Yeah. So I phoned, I didn't tell the other band members, I didn't tell my manager, I didn't tell the record company. Mm-hmm. You can see where this is going, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> so I phoned a, a bunch of the DJs and I said, please don't play lies anymore, play frustration. And of course, they tried to talk me out of it too. They said, oh, you don't know what you're doing, you know, <laughs> you're young, you're naive, just to get charted in the number 39 top 40, you should be. But I said, no, I, I think people might want to hear something that was just really different. Yeah. So they did it, and of course, everybody yelled at me. <laughs> I got dumped on from great heights by everybody, you know, band members. Yeah. But the the DJs were cool. They they didn't play it. They played Frustration and mm-hmm. went to number 10 in the charts. Excellent. So, well, I still didn't care. That wasn't <laughs> the point. The point was, I think people... Now I see a real similarity between 
how a lot of people, a lot of audience feels right now and how they felt then. Like there was a real frustration at that time. There was, real, there was a frustration about the kind of music that was pushed at them. Okay, yeah. They thought it was just not relevant to anything. Yeah. And so there was a real groundswell of people that wanted to hear something different yeah. and something that might have a little bit more of a socially relevant message or a message of any kind other than moon, June, spoon, you. Yeah. You know, yeah. And there, that's all it was. Mm -hmm. Like the Gary Puckett and the Union Gap kind of right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, no names mentioned. Okay. But um, <laughs> so that's the story. So a lot of people have been um, emailing me on the on my MySpace site, and they're asking me about this controversy mm -hmm. because apparently somewhere else on the internet there's a story about I didn't like this and I didn't like it, but that is what happened. So. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Because um, oh, where was back to i mean but i mean back to back to promoting uh on the radio this was like also the early days of fm i mean it's Correct. like it's 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 kind of like i mean i've never known anything in my lifetime but am fm but i mean it's you know before to talk maybe about a time when that's what it was was just am radio and you get this impression as you were saying that the dj's had a hell of a lot more freedom to play what they wanted because it was almost like FM was this new format and nobody was paying that much attention to it in a way. It wasn't CITR. It was a pale reflection <laughs> of CITR. But it was great for bands yeah. because you had DJs that would, you could actually talk to. Nowadays, I get the impression that somewhere, probably geographically center of the North America continent, maybe in Kansas, mm -hmm. there's one guy who does charts. Yeah. And he, everybody says, okay, that's it. He mails it, or emails it to everybody and everybody gets the same chart. In those days... Regional bands were well. When I grew up, I used to, I listened to a lot of Seattle bands. I loved the yeah. Sonics, oh yeah, the Whalers, mm -hmm. um, the Bandits, Dawn mm. and the Good Times, yeah. Rock and Roll. So there was a regional sound. Yes, you didn't. People didn't look for. It didn't have to come from Uzbekistan to be sophisticated, or London, or Paris. You know, yeah. it, it. They would support their local musicians, and the, there was. It wasn't looked upon as second class music, or, and the FM DJs were very open. Mm -hmm. to the local bands. Not as old, it wasn't like CITRs. I mean, the young bands now, with MySpace yeah. and college radio, well, I hope they appreciate just what they have, yeah. what we would have given for that. Oh, yeah, Because uh, it takes the control away from the big labels. I mean, mm -hmm. as you can see from this first experience where I had them play the other side, as you probably know, there'd be a story about a fight with me and the big labels, mm -hmm. which did happen, <laughs> and I did withdraw. I did get out of a contract. And from all the, all the uh, we were on Mercury London, for all, everything we put out, I, d I never received one penny. No, no. one penny from the, from the record company. Wow. But I didn't really care because I just wanted to get out of, because they were just trying to push us in a, too, a much too commercial direction. Yeah. So at that time, well, I was naive too. I just said, okay. You know, they'd say things like, well, be a Canadian Beatle. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh God. Okay, if you don't want to be a Canadian Beatle, be a Canadian Rolling Stone, or be a Canadian uh, Herman Hermits. I'm not putting these bands down. No. But I, it just wasn't who I was, so I just didn't want to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So never received a, a single penny, but I was happy anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, it's almost like it's almost like that way even today. It's like when they're talking about uh, like the death of the recorded format. It's like this, you know, these buzzwords you keep hearing um, in the media now, and it's it's almost re it's almost, you know occurred to me that it's like a, a band it's it's back to the way it was you know back uh in the 50s or 60s the more the most you know if you're going to make any money in the game it's going to be playing live because Absolutely. yeah because with the way the rec i mean the way the record 
especially the um, you know the major label system stacks the dice your stacks the deck against you. It's the, because you know you have to pay back your your advance and plus all the promo gets tacked onto your advance. Exactly. Recording costs get tacked onto your advance. You know you'd have to be Celine Dion to like start seeing money off something, and it's just. Um, well, I see. I still lose money because I have to pay back for the uh, sex changer operation. Then. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'd have to sell a lot if I'm going to become CLN Dion. We're looking at huge advances. There you go. Well, what happened in our case was when we released the second single, they told me be more commercial. Yeah. So I said. You went the exact opposite. Uh, yeah, exactly. Direction. So I went exactly the opposite way, and Mercury refused to re- release it. London did release it. Yes, in Canada. Like right. London was in Canada it's and Mercury was your label in the States. Mercury was in the States. We okay. were actually, oh, that's another interesting thing, what happened in the late 60s too, thanks to the California bands. But, yeah, to get back to the story, yeah. Yeah, Mercury refused to release it, so I phoned Chicago. We were, we were on, Chicago was where we were, the head office yes. that was supposed to be overseeing us. And I talked to the guy there, and he was very friendly. And I said, well, why aren't you releasing it? And he said, because we told you to be more commercial, and you're getting weirder. <laughs> why don't you take a rest? Maybe you're playing too much. That's what he said. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it may have been good advice. Yeah. But uh, then I said, well, well, I won't tell you what I did say. Okay. But it wasn't pleasant. And he said, well, if that's how you feel, you don't have to be on the label. And I said, exactly how I feel. So that's why I never got a penny. Oh, and I that's see. why people have asked me in MySpace, how, you know, why can't I get audience reflections, or and she said yes mm-hmm. on uh, Mercury because they refused to. You can't find it on London. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, the interesting part, the bands that are covering this now, the yes. most covered song right now is And She Said Yes. Oh, yes. Alusha's covering it, uh, yeah. River City Tan Lines, yeah. uh, New Bomb Turks. Yeah. Uh, Cynics did a cover of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. There's at least half a dozen covers out right now. Yeah. yeah so, and that was a song that they... Absolutely refused to release. So, well, we will be later on in the show listening to, um, well, at least the, uh, sorry, the River City Tan Lines cover of it. Definitely. Oh, the girl rocks. She plays guitar in that, and she can growl. Yeah, and she's from uh, where she's from. Memphis, Sweden. Tennessee. Oh, Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, that's okay. right. It's a Swedish release, but she's from Memphis. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, well, tell you what, to, um, if if it's possible to condense the painted ship story into sort of a timeline to give uh, the listeners like the, um, the idea of all, how it all came about. Because you said it was, um, I think when I was talking to you on the phone, you said the, the, the band was conceived at UBC. We were. Even. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, three of the four members were actually from Richmond, but we didn't know each other in Richmond. Oh, yeah. I was out here at UBC. I was in arts, and at the time I was writing bad poetry. Okay. And uh, Rob... As one does when one is a right. young adult. I mean, that's the whole purpose <laughs> of it. So Rob was playing guitar. He, he played... Uh, what I call commercial R&B, and mm-hmm. he played in a lot of house bands. Yeah. He played with Donnie Gerard in Donnie Gerard's band. Oh, yeah. Some people will know Donnie Gerard. He had a bit of a hit, a couple of hits in the R&B scene. Okay. Yeah. And so we just met, and I had a lot of music in my background. I paid for eight years in a youth orchestra. And we said, well, why don't we collaborate to see how many people we can disturb? Mm-hmm. And that's how it came. Uh, Rob's brother played um, drums, and uh, we recruited Ken on uh, keyboards, and that mm-hmm. was that. So it was just it was a four-piece with no bass? That's right. Keyboard played, which was often the case in those days, yeah. as with the Doors. Yes. And a couple other bands, left-hand bass. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there were bass players in the band. It, just to condense everything down, it turned out there was about four to five different configurations of musicians in the band. Yeah. A lot of changes of musicians. Mm-hmm. 
which I'll take responsibility for. It, it is my fault if you want to lay fault. <laughs> Because a lot of the guys wanted to be more, some of the guys wanted to be a lot more commercial and make more money that way. Yeah. So they left, and uh, I was always an anti-drug boy, so I yeah. always demanded clean musicians, and mm -hmm. so some wouldn't come for that reason, and some left for that reason. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but um, so I mean, you, the band was formed, and yeah. uh, I would assume you got. I was because I think things were a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say more professional in those days, but they were definitely less uh, laid back than they are today. Whereas in, I, th I, would, I would assume that you would have got management quite quickly, wouldn't you have? Um, we did, but actually what happened was something really interesting happened, and mm -hmm. this is what I was referring to earlier. Up until the bands out of California really established themselves, yeah. All music was dominated, and I do mean dominated, by three cities in North America, Philadelphia, Chicago, and New York. Yeah. Absolutely dominated. All the West Coast offices were just chauffeurs, mm -hmm. just a show for people around who came out. Yeah. So at that time, the California band started to make some noise, and for about a year and a half, mm -hmm. it was the music industry. It wasn't yet the music business. The sharks smelt the blood. Yeah. They knew there was money. <laughs> oh, but. Yeah. The guys were too weird, and they just didn't know quite how to handle them. Because if you look back at the kind of North American music that was before, I call them the Frankies. Yeah. You know, there was Frankie Avalon and, you know, these sort of guys. Frankie Valley. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't know what to make of the West Coast bands because mm -hmm. they were kind of weird. So there was a year and a half in which bands had a lot of latitude. Mm -hmm. You presented stuff. Like when we took our stuff to them, to London, they said, well, this, we don't know what to make of this. This is awfully strange. Mm -hmm. But they, they, I think the exact quote was, this is awfully strange, but we've heard some strange stuff from California, too. <laughs> so, so we'll take a chance. So they basically, see, we didn't ask for any advance or anything yeah. like that. In fact, we paid for the studio time. Oh, okay. So yeah. we didn't ask for anything from them. And they, so on, they had really had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. So they put it out. And then when they made money off it, then they... Yeah, they realized that... Uh, and then they started being more professional on the West Coast. That's when you started to see... Sharks moving in Los Angeles and you know San and San Francisco. Okay. They realized we got to organize this thing. We got to start making money. That's why some of the California bands, if you read any of their bios or you go on the net with them, they'll tell you about how they were robbed of all their money and things. Because right at the beginning, the bands we were all very naive about business. Yeah. yeah. And the big guys, they suddenly realized the power was shifting, and they they wanted to see how they could maximize their profits out of that. Yeah, and they moved in quickly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. If if you if you know the story of like say the Grateful Dead's first two albums, you know, like the, the first album was rushed out to sort of cash in on this exactly. San Francisco scene, and then the second album when they wanted to do Anthem of the Sun and the whole, you know, Stockhausen influenced sound collage on the first side, it's it was just nothing but trouble trying to get the made the, uh, to get Warner's to agree to even let this happen, you know, kind of thing. It was one giant hassle yeah. for it was a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so did you actually go to uh London Records? I was about to say yeah. London, but so yeah. you actually found London or you yeah. shopping yourself around? Uh, sometimes naivete can be an ally. Mm -hmm. Like we were too dumb to realize you couldn't <laughs> do it, right? So sometimes, you know, being dumb, oh, hi everybody. <laughs> You're going to like us. So we gave it to him and, you know, <laughs> cool, very cool. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, uh, what was it going to do? Oh, yeah. So now um, 
I was going to go into another song, and you said you had a story about this, and it's the Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, yeah, this is a bittersweet of, for me. Mm-hmm. Did you want to album. tell the story before or after we play this song? Any way you like it. Okay. Well, I'm going to put, actually, what I'm going to do is I'll put the song on, and uh, we're going to have to listen to some messages after it, and then, um, yeah, we'll pick up where you left off. And this is, um, maybe if you can lead in just to introduce the band. This is a band, this is the Plan 9, the original Plan 9 out of Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. There's, right now, there's a number of Plan 9s if you go on MySpace or such. There's mm-hmm. a new goth band out of uh, Los Angeles calling themselves Plan 9. But this is the Plan 9. Basically, it's Eric Stumpo's band. Mm-hmm. He's the guitar player along with uh, his significant other okay. who plays the keyboards. Great. And here it is.
It makes noise, it has some merit. He creates this outcry, this clamor. He creates this nightmare of noise. If it makes noise, it has some merit. He's a sonic mess, basically. The discordant mo notes are just a hubbub, a cacophony. If it makes noise, it has some merit. He creates a disturbance because he's basically disturbed. If it makes noise, it has some merit. Basically, this is a worthless racket. The man is mentally incompetent. For the most ear-splitting forays into noise, prog, early industrial, no wave, plunderphonic, psych, and altogether way out sound, tune into a noise with your host Luke Meat every Wednesday from 11:30 a.m. to 1 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM. A noise, music that isn't in its right mind. That ship out there will be smashed to bits. Use your emergency equipment. It won't work. Nothing works. It's got to. It's no use. Everything seems to be stuck. My life's worth a try anyway. Come on, fellas. You can make it. Just listen to this. Spider-Man saves Freighter. You can't tell me the captain couldn't have brought his ship in without the help of that publicity-seeking show-off, Spider-Man. Don't get caught wasting power. Unplug cell phone, camera, and other battery chargers when charging is complete. Many electronic devices continue to use power even when you are not operating them. The amount of energy consumed by electronics in a year when they were not in use could power Whistler Blackcomb Resorts for 43 years. This Power Smart Play brought to you by BC Hydro Power Smart and CITR 101.9 FM. And we are back to Stereoscopic Readout on 101.9 FM CITR and our special guest, Mr. William Hay, vocalist for The Painted Ship. <laughs> well, I just want to say that uh, that song by Plan 9 is kind of bittersweet for me in a couple of ways. Yeah, um, and I'm really sorry it kind of no, <laughs> ended that, that abruptly. but That'll show you the power of dust. Yes. And let that dust be shall to, overcome. Let that serve as a reminder for us all to uh, take you know, clean, clean our vinyl collection off a little more frequently. Mia culpa. It's my record, so I am the one at fault. Yes. Anyway, so I was saying, um, we played with Janice a few times. Oh, yes. Quite a few times. Oh, yeah. Sometimes with the Big Brother, and sometimes she'd come up with just the dead and, and perform with them. Okay. I don't know what it was about. There always seemed to be a little bit of, I wouldn't say friction, but there was something at the big. The first time I saw them together between the band and Janice, I don't know what it was about. Janice was always very sweet. Yeah. Uh, the person responsible for Plan 9 and this, the first couple of albums with him is named Legendary Greg Shaw, who's yeah. really well-known in the alternative music scene, and mm -hmm. especially the garage psych scene. Yes. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't find this out to a few years later, we were playing, I think we were playing a gig with The Dead, and it might have been The Airplane of the Dead and Country Joe. Okay. But anyway, we were talking, it was shortly after Janice had died, and we were all saying, well, you know, this is really a drag. And one of the guys, one of these, said, well, you don't know how much of a drag it is. You've lost your champion. I said, what do you mean? And, she, and he said, well, she tells everybody about the Vancouver band, The Painted Ship. Oh, really? Yeah. If, I'm, you know, obviously flattered, but it, 
she told Greg Shaw about it, and that's how Greg Shaw found out about us. Oh, yeah. And then when Plan 9 was a, just an emerging band, yeah. he said, you, I want you to pay this Painted Ship song. Yeah. And I want you to do an extended psych version of it. Mm -hmm. So it's bittersweet because I never got a chance to say thank you, Janice. Wow. You know? Wow. So you hear a lot of stories. I just want to say something nice because you hear a lot of stories about some of these people. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the stories are made up by people who either never met them. Yeah. Or maybe they met him on a... Same with Keith. You were asking me how I had a connection with The Who. Yeah. Cause well, we, were, we were playing a gig one night, and uh, earlier in the evening, The Who and Herman's Hermit had been playing, you know, one of those British invasion things where they yeah. pair bands, even if they're not, you know, musically compatible. Yeah, definitely. Well, after the gig, they came to see us, and then I guess the boys were enjoying themselves, and they decided to storm the stage. Okay. And they, and they did a... Uh, we did... We found a commonality song we could do, so we did uh, the best version of the Stone Satisfaction I've ever seen, oh, really? ever heard. Wow. Damn, I wish I had a recording of that. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's how we met them, and uh, they were cooler than cool because oh, yeah. John Alec, the bass player, he said, you know what, what are you guys up to? And I told him that story that I had just recounted to you, how I'd had trouble with Mercury. And yeah. He said, oh, well, here's the best producer in England. I'll give him, here's his name, here's his number, we're going to be back in England uh, when we finish tour, give me three or four weeks, I'll talk to him and he'll be expecting to talk to you. Okay. I thought, well, you know, this could be just, you know, musicians trying to, you know, boys, another musician's spirit mm -hmm. or whatever, but what the hell? So about four weeks later, I phoned the guy, said, oh yeah, yeah, John Alec was telling me about yeah. you guys, how he came to see you and that, so I'll send you the money, you guys do an album's worth of songs, and okay. um, do them as polished as you like. Okay. I understand you guys want to be more garage and psych, so if it's good enough, that'll be good enough. Mm -hmm. So we put together 16 songs, sent the album to them. That he was working with on uh, the Polydor Polygram Complex at the time, okay, yeah. which a lot of people don't know, but they owned Mercury yeah. and London and uh, quite a few other things. Mm -hmm. So he said, I got a he phone. He said, this is good. It's good enough the way it is. We'll do it. And about three, three weeks later, he phoned me and said, well, okay, I've been told by Chicago I can't do it. Oh. Yeah. He said, you're going to be handled by a guy who used to be in Chicago, but he's going to Los Angeles. He's coming over here. I'm going to talk to him, and I'll give him the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then he said, uh, but there's one thing you can do if you want. He said, you leave your band and come over here, and I've got musicians here, and we'll start a band in England. Oh, really? Yeah. But he said, what? These are great musicians. They want to do a garage site kind of thing. They've heard mm -hmm. your stuff. They're all for it. Yeah. They, but they, they need a front man, a singer, and someone who can write good lyrics. Yeah. They can't do that. At the time, I fit, well, you know, the yeah. captain can't desert the ship. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't go. No. In reflection, I should have gone and brought the Vancouver musicians over as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. I, I realize that now. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I felt some loyalty to the guys. You know, I, you know, I can't. Yeah, so I said, thanks course. very much, but I'll see what I can deal with the Los Angeles boy. So he said, okay, fine. He's here. So he, the Los Angeles guy comes there. He, he gets our elbow. And somewhere in transit between London and Los Angeles, everything is lost. The masters are lost. No one can find anything. Oh, dear. So that was the end of that. This is going to be one of That's those... That's the great lost, first loss album. There was two incidents, but oh, that was the first one. <laughs> You're kind of holding out hope that one day somebody's going to find this, this spool in an attic in Germany and well, it's going to pop up on You're eBay. laughing, but somebody did try to find it oh, yeah? about five years ago. Okay, yeah. And they said they think they know who lost it and why they lost it. But they said it might, you know, they couldn't say because it would be a little bit slanderous. Yeah. And they didn't want to be sued because okay. they couldn't prove it. Yeah. So somebody was out of sorts, let's say, somehow, and lost some things. Ours was lost with a bunch of luggage, apparently, and some other stuff that... that so. No, okay. 
Do, do you remember who this, who the producer was, or uh... the guy in uh, London? Yeah. Um, give me a couple of minutes. I'll remember okay. his name. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, but yeah, it's uh, no. The reason why we got onto the the question about the who that I asked you is because uh, for those of you who want to visit um, the painted the official painted ship uh, MySpace site. There is, I think, the uh, the icon or the avatar photograph is a picture of uh, Keith Moon of the Who drumming with uh, members of the painted ship and Herman's Hermits looking on. That's Isn't correct. It? And yeah. John Alec is up, up on stage there, <laughs> and you'll see Townsend and oh yeah, John Alec. By John Alec, you mean John Entwistle? John Entwistle, yes. yes. In my opinion, one of the best rock bass players of all time. Oh yeah, definitely. I absolutely loved him. Yeah. I would say absolutely him as, loved yeah. him. And when you saw him live, you know why he they gave him the name? They called him Ox, right? Yes. Because he used to just stand there. Yeah. They said, "Don't stand there like a dumb ox." You know, that's like a <laughs> British. But he was fabulous. I loved his bass playing. Yeah, definitely. I think that was he was one of the reasons why I personally took up the bass guitar oh, as well. Oh, I can believe that. Oh, yeah. And yet he got. Well, maybe I shouldn't tell stories out of there. <laughs> he used to get grief from some another member of the band for his. The, the music he wrote it was always okay. a point of contention with him yeah but a fabulous bass player well the funny thing the funny actually this there's a funny story i heard about john entwistle and his um his songwriting was that i think it was uh, their manager uh kit lambert had suggested that because um, he had this wacky or this just this really weird sense of humor that's almost like this uh um, almost like black sense of humor, and he suggested to him that he should do an album of children's songs or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he was a, and Keith, the same as Janice. You know, you hear stories about them going off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Keith was a sweet. He was a sweetheart. Oh yeah. So you know, he, of course, he gave the drum kit the thrashing it deserved. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he kicked the hell out of our drum. Our drummer wasn't too impressed. No. There were pieces of kit laying all over the <laughs> stage in typical Keith Moon fashion. Excellent. But it was fabulous. Excellent. Um, what was it? Oh, if I can, another uh, show story I wanted to bring up too, and um, it also involves our uh, our mutual friend John Tanner. Mm. Um, and for those of you listening, um, John Tanner and uh, Nimrod, son of J.B. Shane, uh, do a show every other Monday at 6 p.m. here on CITR uh, called Radio Radio. And it's, uh, I highly recommend you check it out. They do, um, I mean, any show that has a regular call-in feature from a, a UFO researcher uh, <laughs> deserves one's attention. But um, the, in 1967, they had uh, this Vancouver Second Trips Festival at the Richmond civic arena correct the ice arena yeah and there is a i remember seeing an extant photograph of uh john tanner with um oh my mind's gone blank singer grace Grace slick Slick. yeah yeah and a banana do you have uh like any like any recollections about that uh oh i remember the gig well yeah Mm -hmm. uh we played with uh jefferson airplane many many times yeah dozens and dozens of times they were always very tight yeah always excellent Mm -hmm. always gave a good show Mm -hmm. um Nothing, nothing bad to say about the performance by the airplane. Oh yeah. Now later, Gracie, you know she, but she's on my space. You can find her. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, that's uh, funny. You should bring that up. Some people have said they've been unbe- unable to find her. They just find fan pages. Yeah. But she does have her own page. Oh, she has an official. She does. Really. She's on my. If you look under, uh, I guess uh, Gracie Slick. I've got her there. Yeah. She oh, does cool. have her own. Oh. If any of you want to get in touch with her. Wow, neat. Yeah. Very cool. Um, how were like. Uh, because the other, because uh, I got the poster, the, uh, a poster. It was a reproduction poster of that, uh, mm-hmm. the gig poster, and it mentions uh, obviously you're on the bill. Uh, lo- another local band uh, who I play a lot of on the show, uh, the Collectors, right. were on the bill, 
and um, band from Seattle. Maybe you could shed some light on them called Magic Fern. They used to come up. We only, we did only played with them maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. They used to come up and play. I think they played quite a bit on Fourth at the Afterthought. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, they had a bit of a following here. They were, yeah. Um, there was a couple of bands like a lot of people don't understand, like the PH Factor. Yeah, Jug Band. Yeah, they were really out of Seattle. They ended up living there. Oh yeah. And so there was a couple of Seattle bands that used to come up frequently. They, PH Factor came up more than, but th- in those days, that's interesting. You bring this up because mm-hmm. in those days, if you went to a show, it would be an it could be qu- the audience liked an eclectic mix. Yeah. Like for example, we I can think of a couple times we played. Okay, Grateful Dead. Yeah. With their kind of Deadhead sound. Yeah. Paint a ship with um, you know sort of garage psych. Yes, and then there'd be PH Factor Jug Band, which is basically Ozarks. Yeah, like so, you know, and everybody liked it. They liked that kind of eclectic mix. In fact, people preferred kind of an eclectic mix of bands like that. Yeah, definitely. It's like the thing that um, you don't see a hell of a lot of today. Um, but you look on like posters from back then. I mean, I've got a poster of uh, this is this is like the best one I've heard. well actually. One of the best ones, because the best one I've seen was Love with the Staples Singers. Oh. <laughs> I would have liked to have been there. Yeah, that would have been. But the one I've uh, got the poster of is The Grateful Dead with the Pentangle and uh, the Sir Douglas Quintet. Oh, I mean, it's like, beautiful. like three, <laughs> as, as three completely unalike bands you couldn't get on the same bill, I don't think. And the audience got along really well, too. Yeah. Because you'd get, obviously, when we played with the Dead, more people were coming to see the Dead than they were coming to see us. Yeah. But there was a, the mix of people was fine. Everybody was, you know. Mm-hmm. And they really liked it. Mm-hmm. And as you say, you don't really see that so much anymore, that kind of completely opposite being on stage one after another. Yeah, it's... it's and the bands go along famously, too. Yeah, cool. In those yeah. days, uh, musicians, everybody was cool. Yeah. The, I can count maybe on the fingers of one hand the, the exceptions to where a band would give another band a problem. There's yeah. none of that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you were also mentioning uh, the afterthought. I mean... Um, yeah, on uh, 4th Avenue. Yeah, yeah, Afterthought on 4th Avenue. Um, also, Retinal Circus. Yeah, the Retinal Circus. And now, on the one Davey. I, yeah, the one I was going to bring up, though, was uh, the one I'm not familiar with was The Cave. The Cave? That, oh, oh, because, uh, I, I you think Because... You would bring that up. Okay, The Cave was a, a place where the Las Vegas Axe played. Oh, yeah. That's why, yeah. It was on um, the Howe or Hornby. I yeah, it's not there anymore. It was the pricey place to go if you wanted to see Vegas acts. So they'd play there. You could go see Wayne Newton, okay, uh, Tom Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys would come straight from their Vegas gigs and play there. So you're looking at me like, <laughs> how the hell did the painted ship end up playing the cave? Well, the reason why I asked that was because I, uh, I've seen a handbill yeah. for the cave, and it said, uh, or it was like, I think it might even have been an ad for like the kind of ad they would have run in the province around that time. And it says featuring or said like Friday nights or Saturday nights the painted ship or and, and like they were billing it as new Fourth Avenue dimension. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, actually, at the time mm-hmm. there was kind of debate: should we play there or, or not play? And I said, well, why not? Mm-hmm. And after we played there, they started bringing bands like that there, and you could see good bands. For example, Eric Burden, the Animals played there. Yeah. And bands start after started playing there. They realized that it would be supported by the community. Would go to the cave. Yeah. But when we played there, like when Tom Jones, I mean, everybody's in tuxes and you yeah. know, bow tie. Well, when we played there, everybody was you know jeans and sweatshirts, t-shirts, you know, yeah. tie dyes, and it was a totally different atmosphere. So they relaxed the dress code. I said. 
before we would accept a play there, I said, look, I know how the dress code is here. You have to have a tie. And if you don't, you know, no, if you, if you arrive there and you have money, you don't have a tie, they have a tie in the cloakroom they give you and you put a tie on, some dumped. I said, you can't have that. I, people want to come in, they come in any way they want. Yeah. But it was supported by enough people that actually they asked us to play again, but we were just busy playing other We didn't, never did get back, but they did ask us to come back, so. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, had we already talked about the second single? Um, just that uh, Mercury refused yeah, to release it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And after that, that's why I asked to get out of it. Well, it was, I didn't have to ask. It was, you know, are you asked when you're in flight from a boot? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was already airborne, and I said, I want to get out of here. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Um, yeah, sorry. It was just I, I hadn't, uh, I couldn't remember if we'd been talking about that before we went on the air or if I, we'd actually talked about that. Oh, God, I'm 36 and my memory's going. Um, but talking about uh, Vancouver bands, um, you, uh, when we were uh, sort of still in uh, correspondence about uh, getting you to come on the show tonight, uh, you had a, a bunch of uh, people that you've met from MySpace, including some local talent that you wanted to sort of um, yeah, pick that, up and like talk about and things right, like I, that. Right. Um, some local bands... Uh have uh, gotten in touch with me through MySpace, mm -hmm. and I, I really like what they're doing, so it'd be yeah. kind of fun to play them and give your audience a chance to hear maybe yeah. somebody they haven't heard before, and get them a chance to go out and uh, support local talent, because it's just as good in Vancouver as it is anywhere else in the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's yeah. no question about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, with that in mind... Uh, Which one are you going to play? I was going to start off with the Trap Doors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool. And this is... Uh, this is a song available on their MySpace page. This is Old Marble. I'm playing this off iTunes. I've not done this yet on the show, so let's keep our fingers crossed. There we go. <laughs>
Vancouver's own... Oops, stop that. There we go. That was Vancouver's own The Manipulators and Paper in My Pocket, and that is from a new uh, Live at the Funhouse compilation. Um, Good fun, stuff. Good yeah, stuff. the Funhouse in Seattle. I don't know if you've seen that. but haven't. It's, you, you can't miss it. It's right across from where they have uh, Bumbershoot. I think it's the old oh, uh, Seattle ordered, World yeah. Expo site, but uh, you can't miss it because there's a giant clown's head with a bullet hole in its head. There you go. <laughs> Welcome to the States. Exactly. Uh, started that set off with Vancouver's The Trap Doors. Um, they, big they shout kinda, out to Grant. Yeah, big shout out to Grant, their new bass player, Grant, um, who's played, uh, played with many uh, local uh, right. garages. I met, I met him when he first was playing with The Worst. Yes, the Vancouver band called The Worst, which yeah. is sort of metamorphosized t- 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 into The Fiends now. Yeah. Same, same lead singer, uh, Greg Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, um, yeah, it's, uh, they, they kind of were, were, like, the trap door started off and then they kind of had a, um, kind of a false start. Uh, they separated. There's a bunch of the guys from the trap doors are now in a band called The Dead Ghosts, who are also worth checking out, too. Mm. Uh, but the trap doors as a, its own sort of autonomous Entity is back with Greg um, on uh, bass and uh, pretty much I think it's Grant. Justin. Yeah, sorry, Grant. Yeah. Sorry, Grant on bass. Um, and they. I like them. I like the sound. Yeah, they uh, they do a really good cover of Seven and Seven Is. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah they, the first time I saw them, I think it was their first actual gig. Um, they did Seven and Seven Is, but you know, on the uh, record, it sort of segues off into this kind of blues sort of riff. They just went into and it was, it's it's I, I really dug the way they keyed in or they clued in on this they went just went into sleepwalking that old instrumental oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. with the slide guitar kind of thing cool uh followed the trap doors with uh, another more uh, vancouver psych merchants uh the green hour that was dedicated to mortimer was, jones's boyfriend mortimer jones's boyfriend <laughs> and um yeah that's from their self-titled debut indie release uh brand new lover and that uh like we're still waiting on where actually you can get pick that up, but I know that uh, last time I was at Dandelion Records at Maine and Broadway, uh, they still had some copies. That's a good one. There. Yeah, and uh, followed. The, I meant to follow the Green Hour with the Manipulators, have a Vancouver set, but uh, and I have to apologize to these guys because they're really nice, and I didn't mean to sort of uh, miscue their song the way I did. But uh, from Greece, Left um, Terrace, Left yeah. Terrace, and the boys, Left Terrace in uh, yesterday. Great stuff. Yeah, yesterday's thoughts, and the song was Searching in Shadows. Yeah, if you're not, if you don't, if you're not, if you don't know them, if they're new to you, check them out uh, on their MySpace uh, site. Yeah, there's um, all their songs are cool. They're really good. I yeah, like they are. Out. I was really impressed with that. If you're going to Greece for holidays, there's a couple of bands to see. Uh, yesterday's thoughts and the sound explosion. Yeah, we will be getting to some sound yeah, explosion. Yeah, if you're going to be over there uh, this summer, check those out. Those mm-hmm. those are good. Cool. Um, now, you were mentioning um, you started up uh, your own MySpace page so like you could get... Uh... Well, just to respond to people, because I, as I said, uh, friends of mine and people in other bands that people knew, I knew, were getting comments about, what's the matter with Will? He, he, he won't let us be... You know, he's, I, we send him friend requests and nothing mm-hmm. happens. We send him email. And of course, I know the woman that set this up in Los Angeles. It's all very flattering. She went to a lot of work. Yeah. But she never attends the site. And oh, of course, yeah. I have no access to it. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing I could do. So... That's why this one was set up, and um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been work. I'll just say to people, don't start blogs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I started blogs based on real incidents that happened, mm-hmm. things that happened bizarre and otherwise. And uh, I didn't realize, like, people that read your blogs, they can get quite demanding. 
Oh, if yeah. I don't update, if I don't continue on my series of blogs, at least a new one every week, yep. they send me emails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you just sitting around? Are you watching TV? <laughs> <laughs> continue the blog, please. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's fun in its way. It's yeah. fun in its way. I just didn't realize I was on schedule. You know, oh, yeah, I was definitely. punching a clock, but I am. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and you had uh, what was you were telling me earlier about uh, your number one fan in the former Yugoslavia? Oh, <laughs> yeah. The one thing I have against some MySpace sites is it does, some of the people don't seem relevant to the topic. Yeah. If you go to my site, everybody there likes Psych or Garage. Yeah. If I, I if they send a request, I go and I check them out, and if it's if it's not, that's fine. I'm, I'm not putting down other genres of music. It's just that I want it there so people want a resource. It's not about the painted chip. Yeah. You go to my site, forget about our stuff. Forget about it. But you can see bands from all over the world. We, we'll have some later from Japan. Yep. And, uh, but this one, I've, he was from one of the Slavic countries. I can't remember which one. He was about 73 years old, and he played accordion. <laughs> so he sent, please, please, I want your friend. Yeah. <laughs> so I sent back a very polite. So thank you very much for wanting to be my friend, but this is a garage psych sound. So about a week later, please, I want to be your friend again. Yeah. So I said, um, this is a garage psych site. So he sends back, I know. I want to be garage psych friend. So he is on there. <laughs> okay. So if you're looking through my site, you see this one Slavic 73-year-old accordion player. He's cool. Cool. He knows what's happening. Yeah. Now, now actually talking about cool, because you were telling me uh, during the last uh, set of music playing, and it ties in with the uh, band that we're going to start the next set of music off with, the Fanatic Pillows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabio and the Boys. Yes. This is really interesting. This is something that I've... This has been very interesting for me, some of the emails I've received, and mm -hmm. also from a woman named Jolke, okay. who lives in Berlin, in Germany. The psych and garage bands, to this very day, are very are quite heavily influenced by the beat poets. When we think of beat points, poets, we think of the California yeah, boys, you like know, Kerouac and Ginsburg, Ginsburg exactly. Yeah. But the movement was very strong in parts of Europe, and uh, Fabio, for example, with the fanatic uh, pillows, he sends me uh, movie references. Oh, yeah. Movies made that were influenced by the beats, mm -hmm. um, literature references and song references, yeah. how the beats express their thoughts and the kind of actual beat in their poetry. Yeah. It, ver it affects them very strongly. And Yalka, the, the German woman, sent me a couple of emails. She was asking specifically about a couple of my songs and saying, you must have been reading the beats Oh yeah. because it's evident in this and that and the other. Now, I wasn't consciously aware of this, but of course I was an art student, and mm -hmm. I was writing bad poetry, <laughs> and of course I had read the beats. So it's funny, that the circle's sort of coming around and tying, and how, but it's very strong now in Europe, very oh, strong yeah. among some of the bands there. Very aware of it, and they're conscious of it, and they're very proud of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, Fabio? Fabio, he's with the fanatic. He's, yeah. he's the one, I guess, that speaks the best English. My yeah. Italian is zero. Uh, there you go. And so it's difficult. And anybody going to, if you're going, to, as we said, if you're going to Greece, look up those other two bands we just mentioned. If you're going to Italy, Fabio's got a big festival thing happening on. It's either July the 5th or the 6th. He's going to have DJs and yeah. bands. So if you're going to be in beautiful Turin, Italy, yeah. if Fabio puts it together, it'll be first class. That's the one thing I've noticed about the bands in Europe. <laughs> they get very entrepreneurial. Oh, yeah. There's a band in France called um, Frantic City. Yeah. They are a band, and they are promoters, and they promote just psych, garage, some punk concerts. Yeah. And they have their own fanzine. In yeah, fact, we're going to be on their next fanzine. I did an interview for them, which is coming out probably in about a month or so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, that. Frantic before, yeah, Frantic City. So some of the bands there are very entrepreneurial. Yeah. 
Well, that's what I think. I think you also notice uh, too. Um, if you've been to a site called GarageHangover.com, um, there's um, the the webmaster is uh, he collects old Garage 45 from from basically around the world. But uh, he he's, he talks about occasionally being flown to Europe, like in say in Spain. He was just in Valencia, Spain. And they'll have like weekend long, you know, garage yep. festivals. It's like uh, it's almost like the Northern Soul thing in Britain. You'd go there, and there'll be like you know, uh, you know, afternoon happenings and evening happenings. And there's a dinner scheduled here, and then there's like you know this activity for the afternoon. Exactly. Kind of not thing. a week goes by, and that's no exaggeration. I don't get an event invitation from yeah. somewhere in Europe yeah. to my MySpace site. Mm-hmm. And exactly so: Spain, Italy, Greece, Germany, France, yeah, and, and the UK. Yeah. And um, and you will actually uh, be heading over to Europe at some point in the near future. Uh, for I will be. Right now I'm a little bit tied up with uh, personal issues, yeah. but uh, several bands have been kind enough to ask me to come over and hang out with them and do some music maybe, do some stomping around, yeah. and shout at women, <laughs> <laughs> everything that good psych grads guys should be doing. Cool. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'll do it just for the, you know, obviously just for the fun. And they're, they seem like real nice guys. Excellent. Well, without uh, further ado... From Turin, Italy. Yes, this is uh, the Fanatic Pillows.
And we are back uh, with the last 10 minutes of Stereoscopic Readout on 101.9 FM CITR. And, um, yeah, wrapping up the show with our guest tonight, Mr. William Hay. Thanks for the invitation, Dee. I've enjoyed myself. I hope uh, your listeners maybe heard one or two bands that they like and they can follow up on. Yeah, it's, uh, and thank you so very much for coming in. It's just, it's been fantastic. Um, what are we going to start? We started that off with the, uh, the Fanatic Pillows from Torino, Italy. Torino, if you're going to be there... This summer, check out Fabio and the boys. Yeah, uh, followed them with a band from Ireland, Dublin, I think. Yeah, Dublin. The, the Things. The and Irish the, Things. Yeah, the Irish Things. That's as thingy as you can get. Yeah, it's... Great song. Can't get more garage than that. True exactly, spirit. Exactly, yeah. It's, um, and then followed them with uh, some kick-ass Japanese girls from Osaka. Yeah, I just wanted to put that in there because when people think of Japanese girl bands, they think of J-pop or... But mm-hmm. I've got quite a few Japanese bands that have responded to me on my site, and the women are fabulous. They kick kimono. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Some of them, the Japanese male bands are really sappy. Yeah. But the girls, as one of the bands said, we kick ass all the time, quote, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right on. Yeah, that was uh, the Dazes from Osaka, Japan, yeah. and the track was called The Big Breakup. And uh, that last... The last song you heard from France was the Vibromaniacs. Yeah, from France. And uh, Gloria's Nightmare. So uh, we are almost out of time. Um, Bleak is not here yet, but uh, coming up at 7.30 is Exquisite Corpse with your host, Bleak. Um, 9 p.m., Ben is in to do live from Thunderbird Radio Hell, but uh, as 
the case has been for the past month because Irene is in Europe. There will be no live bands tonight, but Ben will be spinning some great Canadian uh, indie content for you. And um, still nobody filling in uh, the slot left by, oh, what was that program? Laugh Tracks. So uh, the broadcast day for CITR ends at 11 tonight. But uh, you've still got us uh, for another seven minutes and change. And, um, yeah, you were mentioning earlier just uh, two really great bands from Greece. One we already played, which Yesterday's was... Thoughts. Yeah, the Yesterday's Thoughts. And the band that we're going to be leading into next, uh, The Sound Explosion. John and the guys. Yeah. yeah. Really like them. Yeah, you're really... Um, like, is it sort of like... Do you ever get the impression, like, you listen to some of these bands um, that are around today doing, like, uh, what would now be the sort of retro thing? But uh, do, you, do you ever get the impression, like, wow, you, you really wish some of these bands had been around, you know, in the actual day? Well, it would have been difficult for them. No? Oh, yeah. Well, it, it was... you got to remember, when we were playing, like, there was no psych sound. There was no garage sound. Yeah, it just was what it was. Pe- yeah, people just said, you know, why are you doing this weird stuff? It was kind of difficult, and that was another reason why eventually I docked the painted chip. Mm-hmm. I just got tired of fighting the, me- you know, the music companies and even the musicians. Oh, really? Yeah. I always had excellent musicians, always, from day one. Mm-hmm. But I was never really fortunate enough to have musicians that really wanted to do garage and psych. Yeah. It's uh, just difficult finding people as, like, of a like Like-minded. Mind. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But these guys are, are not retro in that sense. They're adding nope. their own taste, which is why I really like what they're doing. Okay. It's not like a cover band or a tribute. No. All these bands you're listening to are adding their own taste, their mm-hmm. own, when you listen to them and you listen to other bands of the same genre, they're all different because they all offer their own taste. Exactly. Well, that was, um, that leads us into uh, the last set of music that we're going to be hearing uh, tonight. We're going to start with the sound explosion from Greece and My Baby Went Away and then follow up with, uh, I think probably something a little more punk-oriented, the uh, River City Tan Lines out of uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, this is Alusha's band. She plays the guitar, a threesome. She plays the guitar, and she can growl. Excellent. Oh, you got to love women that can growl. <laughs> we are going to be listening to her reinterpretation of uh, He Said Yes right. after this. But uh, here we go. Um, well, f- Will, thank you so very much for coming on the show. It's been a blast. I've enjoyed every single minute yeah, of thanks it. to all the listeners for lending their ears excellent and uh yeah leaving you um with another week of uh stereoscopic readout this is the sound explosion my baby went away with the midnight train she took away my heart Well, I don't know why she lied. Oh, tell me that I've cried. Well, I don't know where she's been. Oh, tell me that I've seen that my baby went. 